0: It just may be that some of you are unable to concentrate at the moment because you heard the word circumcised so many times. Um, it's, uh, we're going to unpack that passage. Uh, I'm not going to camp out on circumcision, but we need, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? So let's acknowledge that. Very good. Um, it, was, it was the sign for them, uh, as, as you heard, in their flesh, wow, that, uh, that they were to be God's people and that's how they were to be set aside. Now, I'm not, that's not the major part of what I'm preaching on today, but if I don't mention it, That's what we'll all be thinking about. And we're thinking about the fact that Abraham was 99 and all of that. Great. Okay. Now let's take that, put it in a box. I'm going to put it over here. Draw your attention back over here. We're going to have a great great time exploring God's word this morning. And that's an important part of it, but not, not the major part. I'm going to pray and ask that God would help us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to turn our attention to your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our ears, that we might hear, Open our hearts that you might speak to us. And by your Holy Spirit, Father, would you challenge and change us to be more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I'll start with a question, as I usually do. Uh, How do you feel about change? Is anyone here a big change junkie? Do you like it? Oh, yeah. Kate, you love it. Fantastic. Is Kate on her own? Are other people who like change here? Yes, Peter? Kate, Natasha, some of you, yeah? All right, well, good that's great. The rest of us, don't change us. In fact, you're probably sitting in the same seat. If you've come before, you're probably sitting in the regular seat, are you? Those of you, are oh, you are not? Oh, Bernie points to you. Well done. Uh, if you're new with us today, we're delighted and we want to tell you, obviously you've found your spot in the building, so please feel comfortable uh, being there next week as well. That'd be great. Um, so how, how do we feel about change? So some of us, it's just fear inducing. Some of us, it's life only happens when things change. I'm very happy having the same thing to eat every day. Wouldn't bother me. And my wife, however, loves to change it up, keep it fresh. It all seems like too much work to me. But uh, but anyway. So when it comes to change, there are big changes and little changes. Uh, I remember when Just Right changed from the particular kind of apricots. Sp- no, don't worry. Um, there are big changes in life. There there are changes. There are changes like moving house. Now, I was just doing some maths this morning. Uh, I've moved house 13 times. Uh, That may or may not be a lot. I don't know, can anyone top that? Yes, Tash? 19, good number. 20, outstanding. Uh, (laughs) Well done, Tash. You're you're hoping to keep that number high, are you? Um, Look, here's the thing, I I absolutely detest moving house. Uh, It's the process of looking at all the stuff that I have and repenting of how much stuff I have? Do I really have this much stuff? Do I need all of it? If we put, if it went in two trucks and one of the trucks got totally lost and we never saw it again, would we miss it? I just think that we are, yeah, when faced with our moving, we're faced with our ridiculous accumulation of stuff. Um, I don't imagine there's anyone here who likes moving house. Today, I want us to explore God's invitation to change. God will invite us to change, but. To do it through looking at someone who was called to move house. Someone who was called to move house. And so I want us to think about change. Don't start off like this. Start open. We'll see how we go. Uh, but we're going to do it by looking at someone who was called to change. Now, if, uh, if this is your first time, we're working through a, th- a series over the course of this term on God. On mission in the Old Testament and what's happened in that so far is this here's my Bible timeline these are some pictures to kind of give an overview of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament two halves of the Bible and uh, if we're looking at it like a timeline we're up towards the end of that timeline before the coming of Jesus when he comes back again so far in the series When we think about mission, we've heard about God's destination for mission. He's told us about right relationship with him and with other people. We've seen why there's a need for mission because in the garden where we started, people sinned and they ruined the good creation that God had given them. We've also seen last week about the danger of sin, that it keeps on piling up. And Jeff spoke to us about the Tower of Babel and uh, people being scattered to the world. And this week, we're going to look at God's scope for mission, who God is interested in sharing the good news with. So that's what we're doing. Well, what's the context for this bit of the Bible? If you can open your Bibles again, that'd be great. We're looking at Genesis chapter 12. and we're going to duck across to 17 and a couple of other places. But if you look particularly at chapter 12, that'd be really great. As you're turning that up, what's the context for this bit of the Bible? Well, let me tell you when this is happening. If we use my timeline again and put some dates on it, there's the present day. Uh, Jesus died around 33 AD. That's recorded at the start of the New Testament. If we come back here to King David, who you may well have heard of. King David's a pretty famous king. He's about 1,000 BC. And then where we are with this man we're looking at at the moment, Abraham, is about 2,000 BC. So what that means in practice is the story of moving house that we're reading today, uh, that makes the time of Abraham about 4,000 years ago. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? That's a long gap between here and today. Well, who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a guy called Abram and Sarai. And yes, I'll explain the name change in a little bit later. But Abraham and Sarai. And you might think to yourself, well, a lot of people moved house 4,000 years ago, and I can't tell you any of their names. So why is it that we're so interested in Abram and Sarai? That, that's a fair question. Let me give you three reasons why it's worth knowing about this couple. Number one, the Jewish faith traces its ancestry back to Abraham, through Abraham and Sarai, through Abram and Sarai's son Isaac. Judaism traces its lineage. That's one good reason. Number two, and I reckon this will surprise some of you. The religion of Islam traces its heritage back to one of the sons of Abram and Sarai through Ishmael uh, their son, not actually not through Sarai Abraham tried to cheat with his wife Hagar and that 's that wife his slave Hagar and that 's their son so Isaac Ishmael Islam, and then We're going to to see today that Christianity traces its descent from Abraham as well. And since you and I aren't Jews, we're going to try and work out how can Christianity be related to Abraham? Is that all right? So three reasons that we should know about a family who moved home 4,000 years ago. So where were they? Well, Abraham and his his father, Terah, start off in a place called ur of the chaldeans which is kind of in modern day iraq they take a stop as we're going to see in a place called haran which is in um uh southeastern uh turkey they come to a place called bethel which you heard in the reading that we had and just so you've got it on the map there's jerusalem as well if we come in a little bit further you'll see that uh there was two parts to this journey the first part from Ur to haran which i'm going to tell you about in a second and then a second part from haran to uh bethel well let's dive in uh to what we're looking at here Uh, Have you ever been on a big journey, so big a journey, that uh, this wonderful little blue sign here uh, looks like welcome relief? What does that sign say? Even though you can't read it, what does it say? Stop, revive, survive. Fantastic. So you're going through the desert and you think, I really do need to have a break because this road is very flat and very straight. This is us driving down to Adelaide in the middle of the year. Fantastic trip. But, gee, it's straight and long and hot and you want to rest. So there you go, you see the sign, stop, revive, survive. Well, Abram and his family were leaving Ur. Let's have a look at uh, Genesis, just before 12, uh, verses 27 to 31 of chapter 11. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. And she was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and the wife of his son, uh, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. It's important to note, This I think I'm very surprised. When I was first reading this, I thought, well, Abraham was called from Ur, and that's what he did. He went all the way from Ur, all the way around to, uh, to the land of Canaan. But what we actually see is that there was a stop. And uh, he stopped in Haran and settled down. And apparently they made their life in Haran. They actually didn't get to Canaan. So let me me ask you, They, they found a good spot. They settled down. They made it their home. What would it take to get you moving again? So some of you have moved to a new house, yes? Anyone moved recently to a new house? Anyone been in the house that they're in for longer than 10 years? Yes, okay. Anyone else in the building been in the house they're in now for longer than 10 years? One, two, okay, a couple of you. Who's been in their house for less than three years? Less than two years? Keep them up. Less than one year. Okay, very good. All right. Now, imagine you've settled down. Maybe for you guys, you've been there for a long time. Imagine you've settled down. What would it take to make you move again? What do we say right now? I'm never moving again. (laughs) Don't make me move. So here's the thing. Abram and his family have left home traumatic enough they've come to a new home and they've settled down what would it take to get you moving again well i want us to see what it would take abram to get moving again eventually he decides it's time to leave not on a cruise ship but but have a look with me at chapter 11 verse 32 Terah lived 205 years good innings anyone good innings tarah lived 205 years and he died in haran The Lord said to Abram, this is chapter 12, verse 1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So what's happened? What happens to make Abram move again? Well, I think number one, it takes the death of his father and a visit from God himself for Abram to leave. This is really interesting to me. Abram stayed in Haran while his father Terah was still alive, and when he dies, he's ready to move. It takes the call of God. God calls to Abraham. I don't know if it was a face-to-face chat, but God talks to him and tells him, this is what I want you to do. takes the death of his father and a visit from God before he'll leave. Anyone need that? I don't think we want to ask for the first one. And some of us might not move even if we heard the second one, would we? But Abraham, Abram, Gets this call from God. I'm intrigued as I think about it because I think Abram doesn't go to the next part of his life until he's freed up from caring for his father. I personally just wonder on the side whether this was the same for Jesus. So he goes to leave. What's he, leave, what's he asked to leave behind? Have a look with me at 12.1. Here's what he's leaving behind. Go from your country, it says. What's his country? His country's become his identity. He's He's a member of the city of Haran. God tells him to leave his people. I assume his people are his culture. God tells him to leave his household, his father's household, which would have been his family. And so there's a pretty profound sense that for Abram, he's leaving behind everything that would define him, his country, his people, and his household. Now, interestingly enough, some of you have done this, haven't you? Some of you will have hopped on a plane from the country that you started at, and you have left behind your country, your culture, and indeed your family. That's a huge trip. And in fact, all of us as Australians have a heritage in one way or another of doing that, don't we? So it's in our past that we would leave behind these very things that define us. And I think God is saying to him, I will redefine you, Abram. You must leave them behind to be a person of my promise. And so you could think it's all loss. Leave it behind. That's all I'm asking you to do. But, but God actually has things for him to look forward to. So in place of a country, God tells him, have a look with me at verse, uh, verse 2. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Actually, he says before that, "Um, go to the land I will show you. So he says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you into a great nation. So don't worry about losing your culture and your people. I'm going to make you into a nation. And then when he talks about leaving the family, he says, I'll make your offspring great. I'll turn all the people that come from you into a great nation. So, Land, nation, offspring. God answers each of the things that Abram will forego with a promise of his own. And then he adds one more. This incredible one here, it says, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says, it's going to cost you everything. But guess what? I'm going to give you it all back and better, and I'm going to bless you. Now, does that sound like it's worth leaving for? It's funny, isn't it? Uh, we, we, I, I don't know. Some of us might have the, the hope that maybe our, our kids will grow up. Maybe they do. I don't know. I, I, I'm conducting the experiment at the moment. Kids grow up. Will they do anything great? Not really sure. I don't think I'm particularly worried about it. But, but here's the thing. God says to Abram, from you will come a great nation. Now, if I told you that today, you are going to be the head of a nation through whom the whole earth will be blessed, what would you think? There's no sign of that in my family so far. (laughs) I think we're more down the curse's end at the moment, actually. But, But it's a pretty extraordinary promise, isn't it? You will become a great nation through whom the whole peoples of the earth will be blessed. Tell you what, that's worth getting out of bed for, isn't it? And so what does he decide to do? Well, my father has died, I have this blessing, I will leave and follow God's plan. And so it's really interesting to see this. The Bible at this point has set up something important for us. God's plan from here will be specific. He will take the descendants of Abraham and he will love them and he will care for them, he'll shepherd them, he'll watch over them. So in the Bible from here, we're going to see God specifically caring for a nation called Israel. But we see something else here as well. We see God's concern, whilst it's specific for the nation of Israel, is also global. He's going to have an interest in the everyone else category. I don't know if you're familiar with this turn of phrase, Gentiles, right? Gentiles is the bucket for everything else. So Israel, very special. And then every other country of the world falls into this bucket called Gentiles. Guess who's in that bucket? Us. Us. So we see God has a specific plan for Israel and a long-term goal to bless all the nations of the earth, which includes us here, which is fantastic. Well, let's take, here's a photo of Abraham, just as he was about to set out. Joke. Does he look suitably old enough? Let's find out what was going on for Abram. Have a look with me at uh, verse four. So So Abram went as the Lord had told him And Lot went with him. Sort of seems to be a bit adopted, I think, young Lot. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, now I'm not going to ask our Chesilon residents when they moved house four years ago. Great. How old though were you? That's the question I'm not answering, you see. But, but I think some of you would have been somewhere around this. Abr- Abram was 75 and he was told to come to a cushy retirement village with a great social program, close walk to church, and it'd be all sorted out for him. Is that right? No. No. Go to the land I will show you, Mr. 75-year-old. Pick up all your stuff, put it on an animal of some kind and get going. And so I think it's pretty amazing. We need to remember that Abram is 75 years old and the land is occupied where he arrives. So God says, go to the land I will show you. Abram turns up. I don't know whether he had a walking stick or not. Maybe he'd had his hip operation already, so he's doing good. He turns up to the promised land and the reason it's called the land of Canaan is because who's living there? the Canaanites. Well, that's a bit inconvenient, isn't it, if you're trying to take over the promised land, wouldn't you say? Anyone thinking about this? No, good. Okay, you with me? So he's 75 years old. The place he's trying to get to is occupied, and he doesn't have a child yet. How's that looking? Well, Abram spends his life doing this. This room right here. Not that room, obviously, but do do you know the waiting room? I think someone, uh, someone put on Facebook recently, it's 9, 10 in the morning. How can the doctor be running 45 minutes late already? I, I think we have that experience, don't we? We're waiting. And, and, and when we wait, we're measuring it in seconds, aren't we? I mean, come on. Have a look with me how long Abraham uh, Abram had to wait. Have a, flip over to chapter 17. Come with me to chapter 17 and look at verses 1 to 8 with me. When Abram was, you ready for this, chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was, read it with me, how old? 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. You will no longer be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham For I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I'll give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Well, it's a brilliant promise, isn't it? It's a brilliant restatement for the man who had been waiting. How long had he been waiting? Someone do the maths. 24 years. 24 years he's been waiting. And so now God calls him to obey again. He says, come after me and be faithful. Come after me and be faithful. You're now 99. But you're going to to be the father of many nations. Great kings will come from you. I will give you this land. How much belief do you reckon you would have at that point? You'd have to start to worry, wouldn't you? At least, at least a little bit. Uh, I think you would be wondering. But God is here confirming his covenant. He's saying, No, it's true. I will be trustworthy. I will show you that what I promised you will come to pass. Have a look with me at verse 17 just, for, just to see how real the Bible is. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? How likely does that sound? Impossible. And yet here's Abraham. And he continues to trust God. Uh, did you notice he changed his name? Can I explain this for you? It's pretty cool. Um, God's name in the Bible is called Yahweh. So when we see the Lord in capital letters, L-O-R-D, that's translating Hebrew, which says Yahweh. yod Hey vav Hey. That's the, that's the letters. It reads from this side to that side. Bear with me, it's going to make sense. Okay, even though you don't know Hebrew, it's okay. Bear with me. Abram's name means exalted father. Sarai's name means means my princess. God says, these are the letter H in God's name, Yahweh. God says, I'm going to call you Abraham, father of a multitude. When you put an H in it, it means father of a multitude. How cool is that? He takes an H from God's name and puts it into Abraham's name. And then he says to Sarai, I'm going to call you Sarah, the mother of many nations. Take the other H from God's name and put it in your name. How beautiful is that? And so God says, I'm going to reaffirm my commitment to you. You are now going to be called father of a multitude, and you are now going to be called mother of nations. So at least after waiting for 24 years, they get a name change. That's pretty good, isn't it? Does God keep his promise? Well, have a look. This is the wonderful joy of this verse of the Bible. Have a look. Chapter 21. Have a quick look with me at chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. Now, some of you might be thinking, was the Lord really gracious to cause a 99-year-old woman to have a baby? The Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Do you think he'd been waiting a long time? Do you know what it is to wait for God's promise to come true? How faithful is God? He enabled a miracle to happen, but the man who had trusted him all these years of his life was able to hold the answer of God's promise in his hands. And do you know what he called him Isaac for? Do you know what Isaac means? He laughs. It's a beautiful name for his son. Abraham kept his faith and God kept his extraordinary promise. How wonderful is that? Sure. Now, we've been talking about 4,000-year-old family. How do we get to today? I want to get to today via a letter sent to a place in modern-day Turkey called Galatia. It's in the New Testament, the other part of the Bible. There's a book called Galatians. And uh, in Galatians, which is the letter written to the church in Galatia, a man called Paul is writing to them. And uh, if we go to Galatians, uh, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, we'll see this. Galatians chapter 3. Actually, it's on the screen, so you can look there. Uh, this man, Paul, uh, apostle of Jesus, sent by Jesus, is writing to the church. And he's saying to the church, hey, church, you began in a particular way. I want you to hold true to what you heard first. So we're now in the Christian church. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham, this is a quote, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Abraham trusted. Trusting is really what faith is all about. If you trust, this piece of the Bible is saying, you are children of Abraham. He's your model. He's the one who's gone before you. Abraham is our father in faith. Examining Abraham gives us two possible paths that we can go down. The first is about working hard. In uh, verses 10 to 11, it says this. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Let me explain what's going on here. What it's saying is, if you try and be a good person, try and work hard, I will keep God's law. I will do it faultlessly. Okay? There's apparently... More than 600 laws in the Old Testament. Do you know them all? None of us know them all, do we? Helpfully, they're written down in the book. But if you were to say, I'm keeping all the laws of God, how likely do you think that would be? What this is saying is saying, if you fall short in one point, you've broken the whole law. Cursed is everyone who doesn't do everything in the book of the law. You and I then stand in big trouble, don't we? Have we done everything in the law? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. The answer is, we haven't. So if you work really hard at making yourself right for God, the Bible says you'll fail. There is another way. It's called trusting in Jesus. Have a listen to this a little bit, a little bit further on. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Pole is like the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What this is saying here is Jesus took our curse and died for us. He paid the price for us falling short so that by faith we might be forgiven. So what's the opportunity? Well, we can work at being good. And the Bible says you'll be cursed. Or we can give up working ourselves to be right before God, and trust in Jesus' work, in which case we will be blessed. So do you want to work hard and be cursed or trust hard and be blessed? Seems pretty logical to me. What this tells us is God's vision for mission is 4,000 years old. God's been on about including us in his family for 4,000 years, and it is global. It includes every country on the face of the earth. We should, therefore, as a the church, care about the ends of the earth. We should see in Jesus true world unity. Everyone who trusts in Jesus can be united to him. And we should also see, if it'll come up, that we need to join in God's mission right here in Oren Park, which many people would say is the end of the earth. We say we'd long to see new life in Jesus come to every home here in Oran Park and the growing Southwest. And that's what we're all about because that's what God has been on about for more than 4,000 years. But we can see that here today. So, you've moved recently. Almost everyone here, except about four people, have moved recently. Yeah? You moved recently. Why don't you do it again? Let me encourage you to hop aboard Abraham's Trust and Obey Removals. They've got a global reach. And God is driving the van. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you took Abraham from his home. You gave him a great promise. You asked him to count a great cost, but you made him a great nation. Father, we thank you that everyone who calls Jesus their Lord is part of that nation that you have built through Abraham, that we're his children, that we can sing Father Abraham today because our faith is in Jesus, just like our father Abraham put in his. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those of us this morning who aren't yet taking hold of the promise you have before us. Father, I pray that you would give us a passion to turn away from working that leads to a curse. Father, we'll always fall short of your standard. Lord, we thank you that Jesus took the curse, that we might find the blessing promised to Abraham, and I pray we might know it this morning as we trust in him. Amen. I like that truck. I'd like to see it turn up sometime soon. It'd be great. Alrighty, what I want to encourage you to do, why don't you take out your caring and Connect cards. They look like this. Uh, if you can grab them out. And when I say grab them out, can everyone do that, please? That'd be really helpful. I'm going to grab a pen. What I'd love you to do, I know you know how to do this, it's just whether you can be, you know, whether you'll resist me and change. Can I get you to write your name on it? it um, be really great. If, um, if it's your first time here today, you can tick the box that says, I'd like to let you know I'm new. Uh, we have a, uh, a lovely name up there. I don't know if it, has anyone noticed my name that comes up on this slide before? I'm a new here. Uh, it's really good, yeah, it's good. Uh, can, you, can I get you to put your name on the, uh, on the card? Um, if you don't receive our newsletter, and you'd like to, um, if you drop your uh, email address there, we promise we won't spam you, but you will get our newsletter, which would be great. Uh, Some of you might have questions from today. You can drop them down there. You might have prayer points, things you'd like us to pray for in the week ahead, and our staff team uh, meets uh, on a Monday, and we pray through these cards. So if I can give you an opportunity to write down any prayer points you have there as well, that'd be great. I'll give you a moment to do that, and then we're going to uh, move towards our final song. Can I explain what will happen after this uh, final song? We'd love you to get your children. Uh, If you've signed them in, which we hope you have, we'd love you to sign them out. Uh, That means that we don't have to go looking under the cushions to find if there are any children that are still here. Uh, Afterwards, we're going to have morning tea in the foyer, and then we've got a barbecue, which is actually already cooking. You're going to be able to smell it. Uh, It's not like Bunnings. Guess what? It's totally free which means we'd love you to stay around and eat it. Uh, we have salad and uh, all sorts of stuff ready for you, so please do stay and have lunch. There's also something rubbery that uh, children might like. Did anyone see it on the way in? It's been blown up? It wasn't blown up before? There's a jumping castle out there. Adults, if you can form an orderly line, that'd be Great. Uh, no, we'd love your kids to, to enjoy that as well. Uh, so after the service is finished, please do hang around. Um, I did say on our invitation that if you want to be shown around the building, I'm happy to do that. So I'm going to wait uh, just at the back here. And if anyone would like to have a tour around, you can come and find me and I'll do that. These cards go just at the back there in a little tin, and uh, you can put them in there at the end of the service. That would be great. Okay, we're going to sing a song called Amazing Grace. And uh, you might think, why is grace amazing? I think it's amazing because those who could be cursed can be blessed because of Jesus. Let's stand and sing how amazing grace is.